Grow on the go. And this is our first episode of 2022. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. Thank you to you, too. I'm turning 30 this year. I don't want that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember being so looking forward to turning 25 because I thought people will finally take me seriously when I'm 25. I don't take any 25 year old seriously. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I only hire people that work that are older than me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not on purpose, to be that, fair. That, that's hilarious. Yeah, with more degrees than I have. Yeah. Okay, well, that's cool. You get to boss around all these (laughs) over-educated people. And I have less debt than them. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, I mean, this is the first time I've seen you since Christmas. Mm -hmm. Do I look different? New Year, new me? Very much the same me. Yeah, pretty Mm -hmm. much the same. Mm -hmm. A little lighter. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm on a weight loss journey, which is a whole thing. Yeah. which I don't want to go too far into because I think we glorify weight loss a little too much as mm-hmm. a society. Mm-hmm. But yeah, trying to, uh, I will say, I, I sure notice a difference living in, in my body. Mm. Um, I'm 5'3". I'm not a, a tall lady. And I was um, coming up on 200 pounds, which when you're 5'3 is, is a lot. And uh, particularly for me. It's been a COVID thing, right? Like you, ah, you, I started gaining weight at about twenty five and okay. didn't really stop. Okay, yeah. So, but but it went fast during COVID because yeah. you went away to Australia. Yeah, and when you came back, I was shocked. I'm sure, I'm sure you were. I yeah, so was I. <laughs> and I got back <laughs> to my closet, and nothing fit me anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because my husband always says, like, well, when we're living together, we'll make healthier choices. And he has proven that that is not true. Because I don't really cook. I could cook. Like, I'm capable of following instructions. I can read a recipe and make that particular thing happen. But I don't. Because I have no real concept of, like, delayed gratification. If I'm hungry, I just need the food to be in front of me within, like, 20 minutes with very little effort. Um... So if it's like scrambling some eggs and mashing up an avocado to make avocado toast, that I can handle. Um, but anything else, the mess and effort is enough to dissuade me from doing it. So then I just don't eat at all. You are your father's daughter. I mean, if he can't stand at the island in the kitchen and just eat something right out of the fridge or the pantry. It's not worth it. He's not going to do it. No. He'll, he'll drive to McDonald's instead or mm-hmm. something like that. Oh, I just have it delivered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do that. Yeah, so I I can cook, but I don't. Scott can also cook and, and usually does. Um, yeah, he's quite a chef, actually. But he likes, he likes to flourish with his food, and that means, like, heavy cream sauces and, oh. and stuff like that, which does not a... Um, low-calorie diet make no no and you guys ate out most of the time you were in the food in sydney is unbelievable Mm. it's really good and it's so competitive there that if the food isn't good your restaurant just won't survive Mm. um yeah it is incredible like the hole in the wall down the street is unbelievable Mm. and of course the seafood is so fresh right it was 
it was sea creatures like an hour ago. Um, <laughs> it was swimming. Yeah. Yeah. It barely stopped. Uh, so even like fast food sushi, which sounds horrible, is incredible. There. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I miss the sushi. Maybe he should open a restaurant when he comes. I hate that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I, look on your face. I want says it no all. part of that. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll well, have to have a, a second wife to help him out with that because I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, we're we're gonna launch in this new year into a few different podcasts about things that made Jesus mad. Mm -hmm. uh, I I just think it's kind of interesting the things that he chose to care about enough to get mm -hmm. really angry. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, so even there, I think you've highlighted something really interesting the the idea of choosing to care and that being enough to get angry because in some ways getting angry is a choice. Feeling angry isn't necessarily a choice, but, but communicating that. Yeah. Where you go with it. Expressing yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And I think anger can be, it's not always a negative emotion. I think it can be incredibly productive. Well, and what we're going to dis discover here is that um, the way Jesus acted wasn't, out of uncontrolled anger, it was very deliberate and mm -hmm. it was to show something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, um, what do you think it is about um, unbelievers or the, the thing about the church or Christians that unbelievers say they hate the most? Christians? <laughs> us? <laughs> but why? Um, so, I think people see us as sanctimonious killjoys who are all judgment and hmm. no follow through. Okay, so what what does that mean no judgment and follow through? Like all judgment no follow through. So just super hypocritical. Okay, that's exactly what I was trying to get you to say. Oh great. <laughs> Leading <laughs> I the witness. I think that I think the hypocrisy is what unbelievers hate the most about mm -hmm. Christians. We say one thing but we don't do it or we're you know we we're all you know concerned about abortion as we should be mm. but then we're not doing anything to make it easier for women to have their babies and parent them or right. yeah so it's not necessarily that we're doing the same thing we're judging but we have some other incredible yeah. blind spot yeah the the <laughs> yeah it, it's then well if if you can't afford to have children rather than going on wayfair you just you shouldn't have children which like okay that's a lose-lose going on wayfair is that like welfare? Did I say Wayfair? <laughs> Have you been shopping? I'm tired. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard me say this before, but I'm tired. I'm... Going on welfare. Oh, boy. This is going to be an interesting show. Okay, <laughs> let's carry on. Let's just bring right. right past that. All right. Well, I've seen a lot of hypocrisy, and I am I know I've been a hypocrite myself mm -hmm. at times. But And it's probably terribly ironic that I actually can't come up with a good example of my own hypocrisy mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. But... I have a vivid memory of being shocked by seeing hypocrisy in a church I was visiting. I had gone to see Larnell Harris perform. Have you ever heard of Larnell Harris? I have not. No, probably not. Um, for those of you who don't know, Larnell um, is a black contemporary Christian artist from the South who was very popular in the 90s. Oh, great. Yeah, but he actually, I mean, he was a big deal. He actually won, won five Grammy Awards. Oh, wow. He uh, performed at the White House. He was a big deal. But... Um, 
I'm not sure that what the older people of this conservative church were expecting to hear from a black southern singer that evening. I might actually remember this very, very vaguely. Was I there? No. Okay. Well, I don't know what I remember. Maybe, then. but you I would have been a baby because yeah. it was in Chilliwack. Oh, no, I definitely don't remember yeah. that. Yeah. So um, I don't know what these people were expecting to hear, but apparently it wasn't what some of them wanted to hear. Mm. And people walked out. And they didn't leave quietly through the back of the auditorium. I remember at least one man, I, I can't say for sure if it was more than one, but at least one walked to the front of the church so that Larnell and everyone else would see him leave. He wanted to make a statement. And if I interpreted the statement correctly, it was that he was far too godly to listen to this loud, irreverent music and watch someone gyrate to it. Meanwhile, in the Bible, David danced till his clothes came off. He made an absolute <laughs> fool of himself Yeah, in, like, praise of God. But yeah. sure, okay, we're too good for that, I guess. You know, and that's, uh, it just struck me as being so ironic. How can you be too pure to listen to a certain style of music and at the same time be so unkind and ungracious as to march out of the auditorium in such an arrogant way? Mm -hmm. it, it seemed so hypocritical to me. And again, I am sure there's hypocrisy in my life, or at least has been at times. I just couldn't come up with a good example. Uh, feel free to fill, fill something in if you can think of something. No, I have more grace than that. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> we both know that is a lie. <laughs> I just can't think of anything either. <laughs> okay, good. So we need to take hypocrisy really seriously because non-Christians are not the only ones who hate it. Jesus hates it too. It makes him mad. And there, there's a really strange story recorded in Matthew and Mark that has always raised questions for me. So this was a good opportunity to dig into it. It, it seems that Jesus had a, a temper tantrum out of the blue because he's hangry. Mm, that's when you, <laughs> but when you first just read the story, that's sort of what it sounds like. And I've always sort of just glazed over it before until uh, a few months ago. And I thought, I've got to figure out what this was actually about. So as I've studied the Gospels, um, the Gospel accounts of this story, I realize there's so much more to it than, than Jesus being hangry. It's about how <laughs> that was part of it, but not the whole thing. <laughs> well, it did say he was hungry and okay. he got angry. So, you know, you could say, <laughs> yeah, all right, angry, fair but, enough. Yeah. Um, it's, bibli it, it's biblically canon. <laughs> it's about how much Jesus hates hypocrisy. So, a lot of my research on this article came from, um, or this podcast rather, came from an article on a website called the Gospel Coalition. So, if you feel like digging deeper, you can. Um, and to give you some context, this event that we're talking about happened right after what we call Palm Sunday, also called the Triumphal Entry. It's when Jesus enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey and people greet him as they'd greet a king. They're laying down their clothes and palm branches in his path and they're shouting Hosanna, which was an actual acknowledgement of Jesus as Messiah. And then later that day, he retreats with his disciples to nearby Bethany for the night, probably to Lazarus, Mary, and Martha's home. So they were kind of his besties. They were, and they lived in Bethany, which was close to Jerusalem. Very convenient. Andy. So, Kev, would you read Matthew 11, starting at verse 12? Sure. The next morning, when they departed Bethany and were traveling back to the city, is, does it matter? That's italicized. Is there something specific I should emphasize there? No. Okay, great. Well, that's italicized. And we're traveling back to the city. Jesus was hungry. 
Off in the distance, he saw a fig tree fully leafed out, so he headed towards it to see if it might have any ripe fruit. But when he reached it, he found only leaves because the fig season had not yet come. As the disciples listened, <laughs> I've never heard this before. Jesus pronounced a curse on the tree. Jesus, no one will ever eat fruit from your branches again. They continued into Jerusalem and made their way up to the temple. And then, so skipping down a few verses. Um, when evening came, Jesus and his followers left the city again. The next morning, on the way back to Jerusalem, they passed a tree that had withered down to its roots. Okay, so to a contemporary Western reader, this is a very weird story, <laughs> right? You suck, tree. <laughs> I hate you. Yeah. It really does seem like Jesus is, is behaving like a petulant toddler. But it is, and, and it is actually the first time that Jesus has used his supernatural power to destroy something instead of restoring something. Mm. So you got to wonder why, right? I guess trees are not covered under God's grace. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have a few problems understanding this story, and one of the problems is our lack of knowing what everyone who watched it happen mm. knew. So for starters, the account tells us that the, the tree is fully leafed out. Interestingly, this is a stage on a fig tree that usually comes after the figs are ripe, not before. I actually can't think of anything that grows in Canada that has fruit before it has leaves. I can't think of anything that has fruit, really, that grows in Canada. Well, <laughs> I'm, are you kidding? I'm being hyperbolic. Okay, the Okanagan? I mean, seriously. Well, okay, Alberta then. Um, uh, well, okay. you can't really grow fruit here. Unless well, it's... you can, but it's not easy. <sighs> You're really just stomping all over my jokes today. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I do. Thanks. Um, so, because the tree looks as though it ought to have fruit, but doesn't, it's a really good illustration of people who believe they have the spiritual fruit of good character, even though their behavior lacks compassion and love. It's something as useless as leaves. And so Jesus curses the fig tree, not out of anger with the tree itself, but as a warning to hypocrites who think that their appearance is more important than the fruit of their actions. Mm. So the people watching and listening to Jesus at this moment would have known that the Jewish scriptures often referred to the nation of Israel as a fig tree mm. or some other vine or tree. And they would have known that God repeatedly told Israel that fruitlessness will result in judgment. This metaphor for Israel's spiritual health was a common one in the prophetic books. Isaiah says um, the time had come for God's people to yield fruit that would bless the world. Several times in Micah, Jeremiah, and Hosea, the prophets describe God as inspecting Israel for early figs as a sign of spiritual fruitfulness. But he finds no first ripe fig that my soul desires. That's actually a quote from the prophet. God's response to Israel's lack of fruit is to allow two periods of exile, one in Assyria and one in Babylon, which is exactly what he said would happen if Israel didn't follow the instructions that God had given them. So Jesus' listeners would also have known that even though Israel broke the solemn contract with God, God wasn't willing to be estranged from the people that he loves forever. He repeatedly promised in the Hebrew Scriptures to one day replant Israel and produce healthy figs from her again. So one example of this kind of 
talk is in Ezekiel 36, starting at verse 8. Would you mind reading that? Sure. But you, O mountains of Israel, shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they will soon come home. For behold, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown, and I will multiply people on you, and the whole house... Sorry, these words are broken up on line breaks. And the whole house of Israel, all of it. The city shall be inhabited by the waste places rebuilt. And the waste places and the, rebuilt. And the waste places rebuilt. <laughs> We're not going to inhabit is, the city with the waste places. This is not particularly easy to read. Bear with me. Hmm. And, I will multiply on, uh, and I will multiply on you, man and beast, and they shall multiply and be fruitful. And I will cause you to be inhabited as in your former times and will do more good to you than ever before then you will know i am the lord yeah so when jesus basically reenacted israel's history by cursing the fig tree light bulbs would have been going on like crazy in the minds of jesus disciples mm-hmm. it this visual aid would have added context to jesus previous teaching which was full of directives to be spiritually fruitful people right. Yeah. So here's a couple of examples of Jesus teaching this from Matthew's gospel. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Yeah, and go ahead and read the the next one, too. It's Um, also from Matthew. Before I do, can I ask Mm -hmm. a question which you may answer later? Sure. When we're talking about fruit and being fruitful, are we talking about witnessing or are we talking about showing the fruits of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit. Great. Yeah. Which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think you got them all. I think I did, too. I'm not sure the order was right, but I don't think that matters. Anyway, (laughs) on to uh, the next chunk of verses here. Mm -hmm. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every heavy tree bears good fruit. Every healthy Healthy tree. Healthy tree. So, okay. When I read the word thistles... I started thinking like I'm a thistle I'm a thistle sifter, and so then my brain was doing a tongue twister, and I lost <laughs> the ability to read. Okay, thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, and the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a d- diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Okay, so we know that. Jesus had taught them a lot about that being fruitful wasn't just about the nation of Israel. It was mm-hmm. about individuals. Okay. So now let's go back to what's going on, going on in Jerusalem. The day Jesus confronts the fig tree. <laughs> toe to toe with a tree. <laughs> Love that. You gotta be smarter than the tree. Just <laughs> <laughs> used my own joke and it really cracked me up. The, so, so this is what's going on in Israel. The streets are jammed with Jewish crowds gathering to celebrate God's past act of redemption, Passover and the Exodus. Mm -hmm. Many of them have just hailed Jesus as their Messiah, right? This just happened. But there's no fruit in Israel. The fig tree symbolizing Israel has failed again. The Passover celebration, the sacrifices, the crowds, the singing, it's all show. It's leaves but no fruit. 
So upon inspecting the fruitless tree, Jesus pours out divine judgment by employing a dramatic metaphor. <laughs> it's a metaphor. He mm -hmm. curses the tree. What happens next feels a bit like shifting gears without the clutch. <laughs> when the disciples ask Jesus to explain what just transpired, Jesus pivots and starts talking about <laughs> prayer. Are you laughing that I said pivot? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just laughing that it. they're like... What, what was that about? And he's yeah. like, so prayer. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I wait, know, hang on, hang on, go know, back. Right? <laughs> um, I'm having trouble keeping up with you, Jesus. <laughs> Help me out. So then the dis the disciples, you know, ask Jesus to explain, and he starts talking about prayer. So why? Because they will be the new spiritual shepherds of God's people. They will be the catalyst for the Jewish nucleus of Christ followers that extends its branches around the world. Nucleus. Uh, yeah, that too. I always have trouble with those two words. Um, and, and, and produces fruit from all nations, which we see happening later in the book of Acts. And as Jesus teaches right here in the shade of the withering tree, they will do this by the power of faithful prayer. Huh? Ah. So in the end, the fig tree cursing is not just about historical Israel. It's about all the people of God throughout time. It's about us. So what ways do you see spiritual fruit produced in the lives of the Christians that you know or in your own life? So, I mean, I already rattled off the fruit of the Spirit, but uh, patience is a big one. Um, recognizing that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and being patient with that. None of us are perfect. So being patient with other people. Yeah, being patient with other people, um, loving on other people, even if you don't necessarily like them mm -hmm. or want to love on them, like radically choosing love. Um, and to me, kindness looks very much the same mm -hmm. as, as choosing love, choosing mm -hmm. to love people. Some people actually feel like the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then semicolon, joy, joy, yeah, joy peace, and all of those other things just describe. I yeah, life. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, in me, it, it. I mean, the one fruit that I know I produce is peace. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a very anxious person, but one thing that I know God has been very gracious to give me to to grant me in my spiritual walk is peace. Mm -hmm. um, I get anxious, but I seldom get stressed about what's happening because hmm. God's got me and I know that um I like I like the way Scott uh puts it big piece big piece yeah Not big piece yeah um I also have seen patience in your life as you and Scott wait and wait and wait to be together true I suppose yeah what are my options <laughs> well your options are to you know vent and fret and fume and and it's fine to vent there are times mm -hmm. we need to vent but i don't i see you just waiting you know that's that's where that piece comes in yeah that's just it's not up to me to figure it out mm -hmm. and i can be mad about it but it's not going to make it come any faster so i'll just wait i um am always so amazed at how your dad just so genuinely is interested in people and cares mm -hmm. about people. Yeah. He has so many friends and it's because <laughs> he cares. He does. He legitimately cares about practically everybody. I have discovered that 
I now have to warn people and say, I just need you to know this is not something you need to respond to. This is just something that happens a lot in my family. I want to say I love you. Um, <laughs> because it is, a, it is a phrase we throw around in this house. Mm-hmm. And it is not because we don't mean it. Mm-hmm. It's because we love freely. Mm-hmm. And saying it is part of our culture. Yeah. And I forget that some people are very like, what do I do? Um, so I'm like, you don't have to worry about it. It's yeah. fine. It's yeah. not necessarily romantic. <laughs> it's definitely not romantic in most cases. I was going to say not necessarily. Um, but it, it <laughs> like, love you, pal. Female friends, easy to get away with. Mm-hmm. Male friends, I really have to be like, here's a paragraph. Mm-hmm. Know that I care about you. Right. <laughs> Um, somebody um, stopped by to pick up a computer um, a few days ago. And I only talked, I met him for the first time, only talked to him for about five minutes. And when he left, I just felt so humbled and in awe of him. And I mean, talk about having, you know, a fruitful life. Of him being dad? Of him being the guy who came to pick up a computer? Of him being the guy who came to pick up okay. the computer. Yeah, he um, he has a job, but his passion is meeting one-on-one with people to mentor them and try to lead them to Jesus. Nice. And he travels to do that. His job is, I, in, I think it's in Regina. Oh. And he come, he was coming to Calgary. He just met with somebody, just led somebody to the Lord at Boston Pizza. <laughs> and then he was on his way at minus 30 million, whatever it was out. Goodness. And with horrible roads on his way to Edmonton to go meet with someone else. And he was lit up. He just loves doing this. And I, it was it was a real, um, I don't want to say rebuke, because that's not um, the fact that I would hate traveling around in the freezing cold on bad roads to meet with one person in one in a city and yeah. then move on. Um, it was it was a it was a call to action. maybe. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It was OK. Am I as serious? Am I as serious about my faith and mm-hmm. about sharing it as mm-hmm. this guy is? Mm-hmm. I don't think so well and ministry looks different right that's his ministry for sure for sure and that that is what i came back to is that that's not what god's calling me to do i have to be the best me i can be not the best him but if god called you to do that Mm -hmm. would you be willing Mm -hmm. right well and i think generally god equips us (laughs) according to our personality and our strengths his yoke is easy and his burden Burden light light. yeah yeah i like which basically just means it fits mm-hmm. and it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a call to be fruitful. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And uh, I, I think that's the po- the point of this weird story. It doesn't just remind us that, that a Christian by definition produces spiritual fruit, even if it's just those small early figs. It warns us against hypocrisy, pretending to bear fruit. Right. Right. The fig tree, like the bustling temple courts during Passover, was putting on a good show. There was lots of activity, but it was all leaf and no fruit. Our personal lives can look like they're in leaf. Our leaves may make us look like, you know, a super mom or a super server with an overstuffed schedule of church activities. But the root that our souls might be withered. There may be no fruit of love or joy or peace or patience. There may be no intimacy with God. There may be no concern for people who don't know God. Our leaves may fool many other people or sometimes even ourselves, Mm -hmm. but God is never fooled. Mm -hmm. He gave us this strange story, I think, to remind us 
about something that makes him mad, pretending yeah. to be something we're not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, authenticity is really important to me. I think it's really important to God. And I think going into the new year, that's something we can all kind of focus on. Yeah. Yeah. That is it for us today on Grow on the Go. I'm Kevin Pankers. I'm Donna Carter. Don't forget to like, share, and all the things on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.